Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Let's read our opening verse this morning. Nehemiah, if you have a Bible, Nehemiah 4, verses 1 to 2. But it so happened when Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brothers in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of the rubbish, stones that are burned? Father, we just open with these verses from your word. We pray and ask in the name of Jesus Christ that the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would convey the message that you have for each and every life. Lord, you're a personal God. And this morning, God, your personal revelation to every heart here is so vital to every person's destiny moving forward. So, God, we just pray even now, Holy Spirit, that you would go before me and that these words that are your words, Lord, today would fall on fertile soil in our hearts. Lord, we want to grow. We want to make a difference. So this morning, Lord, I thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. So the question that was said in a mocking tone from Sam Ballot, who was a Moabite, and Sam Ballot, whose name means strength, talking about the strength of man, not the strength of God, he was an enemy of the children of Israel. And uh, he had a position in the government area that was overlooking the Jewish nation. Obviously, he wasn't an Israelite. And as the Jews are now making way to rebuild a future, just like when Jesus Christ gets a hold of your life, he starts to rebuild your future, and he comes in a mocking and a taunting tone to, the, to Nehemiah and his uh, crew that were rebuilding, that had begun to rebuild the walls, and he begins to mock them. He begins to scorn them. He begins to tear them down in their efforts to rebuild their lives. And so Sam Ballot is a picture in Scripture of demonic powers that get arrayed against every believer's life, that mocking voice in your ear that says you're never going to make it, you're never going to come to anything, your efforts are always going to fall short. Who do you think you are? Have you anyone ever heard that mocking voice in their ear? I've heard that in my life over and over again. And so here Sam Ballot comes uh, to the children of God and begins to mock them. And he says a question, and the question is this. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? These stones which have been burnt. I want to talk today to you about burnt stones of which once I was one. A stone that had been through the fire of disappointment, of broken family, broken relationships, drug and alcohol addiction. Now, that's my story, but I tell you what, you mightn't have a story to do with drug addiction and alcohol use, but everybody's got a story to do with pain. Every human heart experiences what it's like to have pain touch the exterior and the interior 
of our hearts. And that's because we need to understand that the world that we live in is actually a world that's broken. And it's a world that's filled with pain. And it's a world that was never designed to be the way it's become. Hello. The world that God originally made wasn't a world that was filled with pain. It was a world that was filled with love. And that love has been distorted and broken through Adam and Eve's original disobedience. The fall of man is what the scripture calls it, where the sinful nature entered into the world. And suddenly the serpent who slithered along the ground, the great deceiver, Lucifer, the archangel of God, who brought the world into disarray, his only goal for his existence is to bring your life pain. To cause you to become a charred and burnt stone that has nothing to look forward to, no future, no hope, a life that's destined to misery and a life that's filled with pain. And he mocks them and says, Ha, do you think you can raise these burnt stones? Do you think these stones can be revived? Well, I want to tell you today that God is in the business of reviving burnt, charred remains and breathing life back into them and changing our present destiny and giving us a future and giving us a hope. That's what God is very, very good at, at turning the tables on the devil and bringing out trophies of grace and mercy where his light can shine and radiate through us as Jesus is introduced into our life. So you see, the devil will continue to mock you. That's one of his few tools that he has. He's very adept at the tools that he has. And sometimes when we're down, sometimes when we're feeling out, sometimes when we don't know what's really going on around about us in our life, he can catch us off guard. I've been caught off guard. You've probably been caught off guard at some point. And when he catches us off guard, suddenly, within, within the space of a few hours, all of a sudden, you can find yourself going from having a future and a hope to becoming discouraged, feeling a little depressed, feeling a little down. And before you know it, he's putting the boot in on top of that. And so I want to talk to you today about burnt stones and how God loves burnt stones and how he wants to revive, restore, and breathe life back into you as a stone. Because the Bible gives pictures all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And stones are a picture of people. And we find in 1 Peter Chapter 2, it says, But you also, as living stones, are built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in Nehemiah's day, what had happened was the Babylonian army and empire had come down and destroyed Jerusalem. They'd broken down all the exterior walls of the city. The gates had been burned by fire. The temple had been uh, desolated. And Jerusalem was in a mess. And so Nehemiah was commissioned. Nehemiah means comfort from God or comfort of God. And Nehemiah is a picture of the Holy Spirit who Jesus said, I will send to you as the comforter, the one that will be there with you all the time. That's why Christianity is so incredible. It's so incredible because wherever you go, you take the Holy Spirit with you. So no matter how you're feeling, the comforter is right there. He's the teacher. He's the counselor. He's the comforter. You're never alone. 
He's always there with you. You can call upon the name of the Lord and he shall save you. He shall deliver you out of your dilemma. God is very adept and very good at doing that. And so once, you know, once upon a time, I wasn't a living stone. I was a dead stone. I was dead. I was burnt. I was buried in the ground. That was my life. That was descriptive of me. But when Jesus came into my life, I became a living stone, a stone that carried the life of the Spirit. Because when you get, receive Jesus, He's the resurrection Spirit. And when you receive Jesus, suddenly the whole picture of your life begins to change. And sure, that doesn't mean, you know, sometimes we paint this picture of Christianity. Oh, you're never going to have another problem ever in your life again. It's just all rosy with Jesus. It's, 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 it's all sweet. You're never going to have any challenges or difficulties. Friends, that's not the real world and that's not the real gospel. But the promise of God is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And his promise of his enduring companionship is with us from day to day, from moment to moment within our life. And so, you know, Sam Ballot, he was mocking. But I'm sure at this stage of them beginning to, the early stages of rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem, that he was saying it in such an unbelieving, mocking tone because he couldn't believe that a few people could actually accomplish this task. Did you know it's incredible what God can do through a few committed people? Did you know that? Through a few committed people, the world was turned upside down. That's the testimony. That's the testimony of the book of Acts. These are the men who turned the world upside down. A handful of committed believers can turn the world upside down, inside out for good and not for evil. And so we see here, Sanballat comes along and he begins to mock. And you see, this is the thing, is that there's a sinister undertone that will be leveled against your life. Listen to me carefully. Because we're not playing games with, with plastic guns and plastic bows and arrows. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not even supposed to be fighting each other. The moment you start fighting your Christian brothers and sisters, you're on the wrong game plan. God never called us to be bitter and in-house fighting and fighting against one another. He wants us to love one another. In fact, he says, this is how the world's going to know you're my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. Amen? That's the acid test of true Christianity. But what did he say? Our real battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in high places. Now that is what we're talking about here. And whenever you take a step forward, friends, and you begin to take a step of commitment, and you begin to link your will, your life, with the will of God, and the kingdom starts to come through your life, I want to tell you there will be a counterattack that will come against you. There will be accusations leveled against you. There will be things that will happen that will come right out of your side vision. You didn't even see it coming that will try and topple you and bring you down because the devil gets indignant and furious when we begin to take purposeful, committed steps forward in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have the time to tell you the many stories of those steps of commitment that I've taken in my journey with Jesus and the opposition that it drew towards me. And I simply want to point out right from the start here 
that for a burnt stone to be restored, then you're going to have, you're going to, have to uh, stop being a chocolate soldier that melts under the heat and start being a real soldier for Jesus and realize that we've got to toughen up at times and we've got to get an attitude that will take us forward. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, Jesus said, and the violent shall take it by force. There's a real battle. I'm not talking about a, a, a military campaign in the natural. I'm talking about a military campaign in the spiritual realm over your life this morning. And so the enemy has a strategy to, to dis, distribute these voices that come and begin to try and press against us constantly pressuring our mind, causing us to doubt and causing us to walk away from the newfound joy that we have found. You know, so a burnt stone is a prophetic picture of lives that have suffered hardship, ruin, disappointment, that have walked through some dark valleys and some dark times. That's the picture of a burnt stone. And the question that the mocking voice of the devil says, can this burnt stone be revived? I want to tell you, it's not only possible, but it's probable. If you have people praying for you, when I came to know Jesus Christ, I was working as a technical engineer on a forecourt at a petrol station. That means I was pumping gas. I was pumping gas for Jesus. And when I came to know Jesus Christ, one day this little old lady who I'd been serving for about three years drove in on her little Ford Escort and she had this placard in the back of her little Ford Escort, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but shall have everlasting life. And I just met Jesus, and I was so excited because I thought nobody drives around with a picture of John 3.16 mounted in their back windscreen. I was thinking, this is very dangerous for a 91-year-old lady to not be able to see through her rearview mirror. She was a survivor. So as I served her, I said to her, I said to her, you must be a Christian. And she said, yes, I am, young man. Why do you ask? She said, I said, because I've just become a follower of Jesus, and I'm so excited to serve Jesus, you know. And she, she looked back at me, and she had a wry smile on her face, and she said, did you know that I've been coming to this service station for 20 years? And from the first day you served me about three years ago, did you know that I've prayed for you every single morning that you would find Jesus Christ? I want to tell you, our prayers are powerful. Our prayers make way for our families, our loved ones, our friends to find new life in Jesus Christ. Do not give up on your prayers. Can these burnt stones be revived? Yes, they can. Amen. Sounds like Bob the Builder, doesn't it? Can we build it? Yes, we can. Amen. <laughs> Chapter 1, the story began. Uh, in the second verse of Nehemiah, chapter 1, Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, listen to this, this is a bleak picture. The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Great distress, reproach. Reproach means that they're feeling the shame of it. Have you ever been in a situation 
Sometimes you've got no money and somebody's asking you for a hand and you've got nothing to give. Reproach comes sometimes when there's secret sins in our life and we know that we're trying to put on a good face and we're trying to put on a brave face, but there's stuff going on under the, underneath the hood that we don't want to tell anybody about because we're all locked up and we're bound up and we feel that if we share something with somebody else, then they're going to find out the dark side of us. And so we, we lock it up, we get locked up, suppressed, depressed, filled with anxiety. God wants to free us from all of that this morning, friends. That's his plan for our lives. Verse 4 is Nehemiah's response. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah is a picture of the comforter. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit because his name means comfort of God. I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. You see, even though the devil is damaging people's lives everywhere, I want to tell you today that the Holy Spirit of God has been let loose on the earth. And this is what the scripture says. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth, seeking hearts who are turned fully towards the Lord. God, the Holy Spirit, is actively seeking for lives to repair and restore and bring back to life and overturn their misfortunes and turn their lives around. That's the ministry of the comforter. That's the ministry of the Spirit that's at work in our nation today, in the nations of the earth. And as Christians and followers of Jesus, our purpose is to be co-workers with this Holy Spirit with the comforter. And you'll find here that Nehemiah says, I asked them, I asked my fellow brother Jews about the welfare and the condition and the state of my people. Did you know that God is asking even right now in the corridors of heaven, he's asking, how's, how's my holly going? He's asking, how's, how's will I am? How's will I am going? He's asking, how's Sue? How's she getting on with her health? The Holy Spirit is, he loves us so much. He's always asking about you. He's always wanting to know how you're going and what you're doing with your life. Can I hear an amen today? He's drawn to our brokenness. He's drawn to our burntness. He's not repelled by the fact that you don't get it right all the time. In fact, he's drawn to you because he knows you and your weakness and me and my weakness, and he's drawn to our weaknesses. The Bible says that when we're weak, then we are strong. Amen? We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be looking to show our strength and trying to put forward the best side of us. We should be saying, thank you, Jesus, that I know when I'm weak, then you make me strong. Amen. And so we, we, we would, you know, you would be amazed what happens when you begin to get the heart of the Holy Spirit for people and you begin to inquire, how are they going? How are you going? What's been happening in your life? When people really sense that you care, you know what happens? It's incredible. They actually answer you. You don't go in there with your, the biggest 20-pound Bible that you've got and start smashing them over the head with that and bash them with your Bible. You just simply come alongside of them and say, how are you going, Viv? What's been happening in your life lately? You know, I really care about you. You know that, eh? 
So he asks, secondly, the Bible says that when he got the response of the true, accurate condition of the people, that they were distressed and in great reproach. Do you know what? He sat down. Do you know why he sat down? This might be a revelation to you. He sat down because he couldn't stand up. And sometimes that's what happens to us. We can't stand up under the weight and the pressure of the emotions and the issues that are going on around, and we find ourselves sitting down, calling upon the name of the Lord. And Nehemiah sat down. The Holy Spirit sits down. And we know that Jesus weeps over us. He wept over a whole city. He stood on the edge of Jerusalem, looking down on that great city. And the Bible says Jesus wept. He wept real tears over the inhabitants. He wasn't really concerned about the buildings. He was concerned about the people in the buildings. Sometimes we make church all about the facilities and all about the buildings. God says, the buildings aren't the church. You're the church. And I'm concerned about what's happening in your life and what's going on inside of your heart this morning. He, he sits down, he's grieved, he's wounded, and we find that the Holy Spirit is very sensitive to what's going on within our lives. And it simply says he wept. He was overcome by the anguish of the situation. Can I ask you a little question this morning? When's the last time you wept over some burnt stones? Over people you know? that are going through a very, very challenging time in their life. Because you know what I've discovered? When our hearts get hard, you know what we do? We don't weep. This is what we do. We judge. Ah, they're going through that hard time because they did such and such or this and that or that. That's the sign of a hard heart. Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. Amen. God wants us to respond with a heart of love. A heart that's moved with the compassion of God within our lives. So if you find yourself speaking judgment towards people, I want to challenge you today. Where's your tears? When's the last time you began to weep over people's situation instead of opening our mouths and beginning to judge them and pull them down? Because that's not Jesus' way. That's not the way of Jesus Christ this morning. And this is what else I've discovered is that sometimes when we feel a deep sense of grief for people's situations, it can be a sign of God's assignment that he's giving you. When you begin to feel the heart of God for a people group or a geographical location or a family, that's God's recognition that he's giving you an assignment that he's planning deep within your heart that's got your name all over it because God is giving you the ability to feel what he feels for those people. Just a little while back, I came back from church on a Sunday and we were at home getting ready for the next service out at Huapai. Busy day for me on Sundays. And so I was home and suddenly I felt this deep anguish and deep burden within my spirit. And a lady's face came up in my mind. And I said to Viv, I can't, I've got to move with the spirit. I can't stay here. So I'll see you soon. That was a faith statement. I'll see you soon. I didn't know what happened. So I walked 500 meters up the road to this lady that I met who, was, who works, walks her dog. I knocked on her door and I said, look, can I come in and just, and, and just say hello? 
So I went into her house and, I, and she shared with me her life story, one of absolute devastation. I couldn't believe it was one devastation to the next. And in 50 minutes, she poured out her heart to me and I just listened. Because people will talk if you're prepared to take the time to listen. They don't care about how much we know until they know how much we care. Is that the truth? And I said to her, can I please share something with you that's really important to me? And I shared with her the gospel of Jesus Christ, how Jesus had died on her behalf, that, he'd be, that, that he took all of her sins on the cross, and that if she was prepared to turn from the life that she'd been living and turn to Jesus for help, that he could bring eternity into her heart right there and then in a moment of time. And the twinkling of an eye, the inside of her life could be changed. I said, do you want to receive Jesus? She said, yes, I do. You see, that grief I was feeling for her was my assignment for her. That was the imprint of God's spirit on my heart saying, James, she's ready to hear what you've got to say. Go. There's so many people in your circumference that are within your reach that are ready to hear. You just need to discern what God's Spirit is actually saying to you today. You know, God's heart is to restore broken people. Jesus was often moved with compassion. Did you hear that? We hear that statement so often that we forget what that means. That means he had an overwhelming emotional response happening in his life. I'm sure you all know what that means. Who's been overwhelmingly emotional at times in their life? All right, something's happened, and it's really hit you in your emotions, and your eyes begin to leak. That's normally the response of a situation that happens like that. But it says that when Jesus experienced these emotions, he was moved. When I experience the compassion of Jesus, it's very hard for me to stay and be seated. I want to be moved to action by what I'm experiencing within my heart. I want to do something about what he's put within my life. And I often find when I move with Jesus, then he opens the door for people's lives to be changed. He doesn't want us to sit with compassion. He wants us to be moved by compassion and moved with compassion. I think of these people who were all burnt stones that Jesus touched. Number one, I think about the leper. And if you've ever seen the, the movie series Chosen, which is now an app that you can download, what a moving scene that they give when Jesus healed the leper and restored him back to wholeness again. I want to tell you today that that man was a burnt stone. Do you know why he was a burnt stone? Because he was isolated. Leprosy was an absolute no-no. Don't go anywhere near somebody that's got leprosy because you'll catch it. And they were often isolated into communities called colonies. And this man had lived a life of isolation because of his skin disease. Nobody would go near him. People would run from him when he went into public. What does Jesus do? He runs to him. He's filled with compassion. 
And he says to him, do you want to be healed? And he said, yes, I do. And he touched this man's life. This burnt stone was restored and became a living stone in a moment of time as Jesus changed his life radically forever and ever. Amen. What about the story of the widow's son who dies? How about that then? No parent likes their children to die before them. This woman is a burnt stone. She's a widow, which means she's not only lost, now lost her son, but she's lost her husband. She's lost her husband. Now her son has died on her. She is in anguish. She is in grief. In Jewish culture and in Old Testament ceremonial law, it was forbidden to touch a dead body. Jesus is heading by her funeral procession. He is moved by compassion over this woman who is a burnt and charred stone whose grief has overwhelmed her. And he touches the young man in an open coffin, the Bible says, and he raises him from the dead and brings him back to life. By the way, can I ask you to please pray for our good friends, Arthur and Angeline Paul from South Linda, Bangalore. They're both in ICU with COVID-19. They're really struggling to breathe. And these guys are legends. He has had nine certified resurrections from the dead in his ministry. They have led tens of thousands of people to the Lord. They pastor a great mega church in Bangalore. We've preached there. We've ministered there over the years. And so they sent me a prayer request. Can you please pray for my parents? This is not the way. We want them to leave the planet. Amen. So if you can pray for Arthur and Angeline, we'd really appreciate that today. And so Jesus stopped what he was doing and he got involved in the situation. A family turned around as that young man was raised back to life. How about the multitudes? How about the multitudes? When Jesus was moved with compassion over the multitudes. Do you know why? Because he, the word says they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And it says he was moved with compassion. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers. You know, Jesus wasn't only moved by the fact that they were like sheep that had no leader. He was moved because there were so few people doing something about their condition. And he said, I want you to start praying that I'm going to raise up laborers and send them into the harvest field. And Jesus ministered to them. He's healing, he's teaching, he's preaching. And then he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. I want, on the end of this message, I want to be able to encourage you that when you have been restored from burnt stone status, that God wants to touch your life and he wants to begin to work in and through you and use you powerfully to restore other burnt stones. He wants to bring you into a position where you're now giving back to the world that you came out of and that you're able to see other lives who have been burnt by the devil being restored back to life by Jesus Christ. Friends, it's not all about us. Hallelujah. You are such a stone today. God wants to raise you up, make you a living stone and send you out in rank and order and position to bring healing and wholeness. 
I believe this. There's no believer in Christ who is not called to restore, restore burnt stones. Every single one of us. You cannot have vibrant spiritual life and not minister to burnt stones. You cannot have vibrant spiritual life and not minister to burnt stones. That is your calling today. How about the prodigal son? We see Nehemiah as a picture of the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus being moved with compassion. What about the father? The story of the prodigal son, the son goes off, wastes all of his inheritance, riotous living, wine, woman, and song, comes to an end of himself. He's so hungry, he, he, he wants to eat the pig's food, the rations for the pig. And he has a revelation. He comes to rock bottom. And he says, even the servants in my dad's house are doing better than me. I'm going to go back and say sorry to my father and ask if he will have me back just as a servant, not a son. You know what happened? What happened when he got near home? The Bible says as he was nearing his father's house, dad was waiting for him every day, scanning the horizon. When's my son coming back? He didn't come back with a jandal and to slap him. <laughs> like many of us would, you horrible son, you've wasted all my money. Look at you, you've lived like a pig. How dare you come back and now expect me to take you back into my house? Wow, that's not God's heart. His heart is to embrace us, wrap his arms around us, put a new piece of clothing on us, a ring on our finger, new sandals on our feet, restoring us from slave status to sonship. Amen. Sons of God. And that's how the Father feels about you today. And that's how he feels about. So we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are all madly in love with burnt stones all around the world that is now raising up an army right around the world to turn burnt stones' lives around. Will you be counted in that number? Praise God. And of course, we know that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. You know, I believe the heart of God is for whole cities. I don't know if you've read the book of Acts lately, but did you know that whole cities were saved in the book of Acts? There was such revival in the book of Acts that whole towns and cities were saved. Isn't that incredible? And God can do that but he needs some willing workers to work through in order for that to happen today. As I conclude this morning, we read from Jeremiah the prophet, chapter 8, verse 21. This is God speaking. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. God hurts when you hurt. God hurts when people's lives are being turned into burnt stones and they've got nothing to look forward to. Their families are in disarray. They're struggling with anxiety. Right now, did you know that right now in New Zealand there's not enough counsellors? COVID-19 has created a whole new level of anxiety in our nation and now counsellors are booked out and booked up to so down the track because of the situation that's arisen. I tell you, friends, there's burnt stones everywhere we look in this city. And God wants to raise up this army. Hallelujah. That's going to begin to restore these burnt stones as we begin to grab that heart of compassion. Look at this. I am mourning. This is the Lord. I'm in mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? What was Jesus known as? The one who brought the balm of Gilead. The healer. 
And the Lord is saying, my people are hurt. I'm hurt. I'm in astonishment because there's no physician. There's nobody helping the people. Where are the people applying the balm of Gilead? They're all hiding in their houses, maybe, maybe quoting the Torah, maybe singing the Psalms, but they're not touching the burnt stones that need to be revived and taken out of the rubbish heap and restored back to the Father. This is a challenge to us, is it not? To engage with our community, our marketplace. Did you know you're not called to, 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 to the Bible colleges of this world? Some of you are, a few of you are. But did you know that we are ministers already by the Spirit, according to the New Testament, and that your ministry is where God has placed you in the marketplace? You have a job to do, and that is where God has called you to rub shoulders with those who are in your world. Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? You can feel the mourning in the heart of God here. When my daughter's hurting, I'm hurting. I'm astonished that there's no one to heal these people. You are healers. If you know Jesus today, you're called to be a healer. Not with your own power, but with his power. Jesus said, you shall heal the sick. You shall speak in tongues. He said, no deadly thing will harm you. Come on, church. This is our day. This is our time to restore the burnt stones and put them back into the wall of destiny. There's a wall that God's building, line upon line, precept upon precept, living stones being built one on top of the other to touch the world and restore them back to the place where God has called them to be. So finally this morning, Nehemiah 2.17, you see the distress we are in. Nehemiah says to the people, you see the distress we are in. Not full stop, comma. You see the distress we're in, comma. This is not the end of the story. You see the distress we are in. Let us arise and build in the name of Jesus today. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I have two calls to you as a people of God this morning. The first call is this. Please make a commitment today. I am no longer going to remain a burnt stone. God's power is here to restore your life and turn you around this morning. Whatever you're going through, I want to tell you, you've heard from me this morning. God knows about it. And not only that, he feels what you're going through. He wants to bring a change within your life. Will you work with him today? And all you need to do today is to respond to him, to cry out to him, to call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be delivered. The name of the Lord is Jesus Christ. And that name is the most powerful name in the universe. And when you call upon that name, I didn't know any flash in his prayer. I didn't even know how to pray. And in my deepest moment of anguish on my own, I called out on the name of the Lord. I said, Jesus, if you're real, you need to save me because I'm going downhill fast. Jesus heard my cry. He hears your cry today to turn your life around. And he wants you to give him access to your life. Will you give him access? Will you open the door to Jesus Christ to enter into your life and take up residence within your life today. He's calling you today. 
If you're here this morning and you don't currently follow Jesus, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about attending church. I'm talking about having Jesus dead center in your life. And every day you're living for his plan and his purposes and not your own. If that's you this morning, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something really courageous. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I'm going to ask you to respond to God and say, yeah, actually, Pastor James, I used to walk and I used to live for Jesus, but I don't anymore. I've backslidden. I've walked away. Today's your day to come home and come back to Jesus. The second person that's here today is that God has revived you. God has turned your life around. And it's now time for you to give back to the world he's placed around your life. It's now time for you to restore other burnt stones. It's now time for you to take your place in God's purposes and plans. And you know what God will do? He'll raise us up in rank and order and file, shoulder to shoulder. We can serve the Lord alongside each other, encourage each other, and we can revel in the testimonies of God's Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. So could I ask us, please, just to bow our heads for a moment. My first